0: Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom.
1: Great. Shabbat shalom, everyone. To those here, I'm glad all of you guys are out here and those online, um, wherever you're at. I hope you're nice and warm, (laughs) depending on what part of country you're in. uh, We're kind of comfortable here in Arizona, and I don't mind bragging because I like it here. (laughs) So so anyhow, let me... um, Let me see, I said hello to the online viewers, and oh, as you know, livingmessiah.com is our website, you'll find a donate button there, Um, and the address as well, and we sure do appreciate all um, your support and your love gifts and everything, thank you, thank you very much, because we could not do this without you, obviously. So, um, let me open in prayer, and then uh, we can get right into the study. Father Yahweh, well, great and mighty you are. There is none like you. You are unique. Father. Sure, do appreciate appreciate all um, um. your support and your love. That's not me. There. Let me. <laughs> all right. But anyhow, Father, we give you great thanks for everything that you do for us, watching over us and guiding us. And Father, we come today to study your words. We s- want to study your ways and the words that your son had spoken and father learn more about those in the beginning who followed you followed your son father because we too we want to understand and learn and grow in your spirit and we thank you again for the love and the mercy that we do find in the blood of your son Yeshua, our messiah our king amen. amen amen as you guys know there as is to, know, There my to, to, goodness that that can't be me Do you know what that is, Ward? That It's gone now? Okay. So I won't have to repeat myself. <laughs> so where was I? Oh, there's two mics out, as you know. Um just raise your hand, the mic will find its way to you. And we just ask be on the subject that we're talking about. Let's not get super far ahead of the text, if not too far ahead of the text, because the whole purpose is we are here to learn and I've said, told you many times, this is like my personal Bible study that I do myself and I just happen to be sharing. I'm learning as you, I'm learning along with all of you as well, okay? So that being said, we're in the book of Acts in chapter 11. Last week we we spoke about judging rightly. That was one of the kind of subjects I kind of presented to you in the situation that was going on. Um, and we need, um, and we ended with uh, with that. Elohim has indeed also given to the Gentiles repentance unto life. That was a very big statement. So Peter experienced experience this truth firsthand, and he, where we're at, he takes that message back to his brothers in Jerusalem, who are ultimately the followers of Messiah. But they questioned Peter's actions about entering in the home of a a Gentile, right? And eating with him. It was, and as you guys know, due to the traditions that was, that was a taboo that you don't do if you were a Jew at that time, right? Okay? Because ultimately that would make you unclean spiritually and so on and so forth. So Peter... Peter was corrected. It was clearer that the Spirit corrected Peter in that understanding. We spoke how those traditions can ultimately, maybe I'm taking this a little bit further, but what you'll see, or hopefully what, what was I was hoping to present, that traditions can cloud one's faith easily, even hinders hinder others from entering into the family of God. And this good news ultimately we saw was for all mankind. We also uh as we continue must keep in mind the culture in the mindset of that time. Let's take those followers of Messiah specifically. Who were they and where did they come from? Do you ever what I have here in the beginning maybe i I should have opened and told you what i was doing i do a lot of driving back and forth every day you know and i'm always thinking about this so things come to me so one thing i'd suggest is that you guys do that meditate on the scriptures meditate on what you're reading that day or whatever over and over again and i guarantee you start to be thinking about some other thing well how does that work here what about this here and So these are some of the things that um, that come to my mind, and I I want to share because I think they're valuable. I think they're valuable, and you be the judge. But the apostles, okay? What were their backgrounds? Okay, not just the twelve, but then er, as it grew, where did they come from? Okay. So understanding their background is important in the understanding what is happening, uh, you know, as we go through Acts. So what we see as the good news continue to spread, it's spreading through Jewish communities. So let's keep that in mind. So far, it's the Jewish communities that this good news is going through, okay? All the disciples and followers of, of Yahshua, they belong to Yes, this new sect, the way, but beforehand they belonged to the synagogue in one way and another sect of Judaism in another way. And I'm using Judaism just for an understanding because at the time Judaism actually came la- later. So what we're talking about is the Jewish community and their faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. As far as Judaism, that word. Only comes into existence later on, but just that helps us understand a little bit. That's all why, uh, how I'm looking at it. So all practicing Jews, then, that's those who had that faith in Abraham and Isaac, and Jacob. They too, like I was saying, they belong to one sect or another, or to one synagogue or another. And all the synagogues were slightly different. Okay. They didn't have one single unified mindset in their belief system, okay? So that means that's the same with the apostles and those following Messiah. That's the background that they came from, okay? Now, that's not to say there wasn't common things that they agreed upon, okay? But they also had many differences, you can see that with the Pharisees, Sadducees, right, the Essenes, and it even was even more different outside of Jerusalem in the rural synagogues that was not in the land. Okay, so those interpretations were a little bit different than the the pious that was in Jerusalem. So this was the case then, and this is the part I was thinking. Well, this is playing out right now in our midst. It's, it is. So what I want to do is we're going to focus on us. Most of us were Christians and have come, from, have come to this new understanding of Scripture. Right? We all came from where? From diverse religious backgrounds and experiences. For the most part. I know some of you may have never been in a church before, and this is your first experience. But for the most part, most of us have backgrounds somewhere in some kind of religious institution. So in that background, as we are really seeing, there's many differences from the backgrounds that we came from, right? Different doctrines and theologies, and not all of Christianity, let's say, adhere to all of them. Some beliefs are universal, again, too, in the same way. But not all. But what you'll find in Christianity, for the most part, I would say the ones that are universal or the ones that, you know, let's, the ones that are universal, there's two or three that are not, you know? So you got this what's going on? To me, that's the same exact structure that what's happening with the Messiah in their followers, especially with Peter and these Jews who were following. We saw that with the, the vision with that Peter had, right? So, so, what we have here with us is that same circumstance. With the followers, of, like the followers of Messiah, we too have a belief in Yeshua Messiah, now we're coming to us, specifically. And we have that same thing going on amongst us. We have come from different churches, backgrounds, and that means, again, like the apostles and the followers of Yeshua of that day, we have a lot of ingrained traditions that are there. Doctrines and theologies, ultimately, that are from man. And that's the same that was back then. We just saw that with Peter, like I was saying, in his vision. He needed to change that. Elohim was disciplining him on changing that mindset, that the doctrines of man's and traditions from the elders wasn't wasn't the right way to go about it. So, when Peter returned to Jerusalem, we read last week, they eventually accepted that, you know, the Gentiles are now part of the assembly. They stated so. But they still had differences on what that should look like. And that's the issues that I see, that I believe that are going to be going through Acts and how they deal with this. Not only the differences that they had being Jews in different uh, ideas or theologies and what have you. But now we're going to have eventually showing up those who did not the go- know the God of Israel. They're coming completely into this assembly and they're bringing stuff with them as well. So we got like, we're going to have a lot of issues, guys. Seriously, we are. Look at just with. In our community, there are little differences. I'm not sure exactly how, to, how, to, how we deal with that, but I think one key thing is we always need to go back to what was written before. Okay? Before the traditions of men started playing a part in the faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So there will be major obstacles that we're going to be seeing that are going to be dealt with here in Acts, and I think that's most of the New Testament for the most part. So in that, Messiah truly is a stumbling block for everybody. He said so himself. Paul even said a lot of times, how shall we live then? (coughs) Excuse me. So just... Like I believe is still with us today. We have come to this new understanding of Messiah, taught for sure. He taught the Torah. He said to obey it and do it, not do away with it. But again, it's the Chris, Christian stuff, or Chris, Christy stuff, churchy stuff that we have to, uh, you know, we have been taught. And we must examine that to see whether it's true or not. Just like Peter was disciplined, we need to rethink things as these traditions. And the traditions of men, are they at work in our faith as well? And that, again, brings us back to the right judgment. What is right judgment on it? So, so let's... For me, with that, let's get back to some of the clear facts that we can take along with us. One overwhelming truth about the early followers of Messiah is that they didn't stop going to synagogue. They just didn't just stop. The message actually went out to the synagogues first. They didn't stop going to the temple they didn't stop practicing their faith or stop obeying the law of Moses either. We clearly see that in Acts chapter 2, the beginning of Acts. And that is by the command of the Messiah. Yeshua himself said, do not leave Jerusalem. And that was referring to, because is coming. Do not leave. So, we have a command directly from Messiah. That demonstrates the simple fact that the first Shavuot or Pentecost, as you would know it, that feast day, obedient feast day, this is after Messiah's crucifixion and resurrection, that he said that. Where were the 12 apostles? Obeying the law, of course. So I did say the first Pentecost. That would insinuate maybe there's another one here. Last week's portion had a second Pentecost. I don't know if you spotted that or not. Acts 11, 17. Therefore, if Elohim have given them the same gift, those brothers and Peter <laughs> in Jerusalem saying this, if they have given the um, also given them, being the Gentiles, The same gift they gave to us after we had come to our trust in the Master Yeshua, the Messiah. Peter's saying, who was I to stand against Elohim? He's referring back to that first Pentecost when they came to know, and that just happened in Cornelius' house. And Peter's relating, hey, The same event that came to us has come to them. I don't know. Wouldn't you consider that the second Pentecost in some sense? And now that's strange, especially if you're going by Christian theology. This is really the one that should be focused on. Because the first one, it was all Jews. I'm very well, uh, for me, I'm very convinced it was all Jews or God-fears if they were allowed to go into the temple. Okay, but for the most part, it was all Jews from various parts of places. And the spirit fell, they spoke in tongues, boom, they believed, right? Happened again in Cornelius' house, the only difference is, he's a Roman. And Peter's saying, man, we can't stand against Elohim, he did it to us, he's doing it to them, why? So in reality, the church out there and their theologies should focus on that one. And why I say focus on that one, because that's where a true Gentile, one from the other nations, he just happened to believe in the God of Israel and was practicing. That's the key. That's where the true assembly as far as Christian churches should focus on. The first church, so to speak. I'm using that very loosely, too. But I must point out, it, was, it only happened because he was obedient, Cornelius was obedient to what? the very commandments of the Most High. So, whether you want to call it the new church in chapter 2 of Acts, or here in 11, the commandments come from Mount Sinai are key to both. So, who is Peter to stand in the way of Elohim? Who are we then to stand in the way as well? So that set-apart spirit fell upon them that were in Cornelius' house. But we still have this idea of Jews first, then to the Greeks, and then the Gentiles. If you truly want to go by the method, that's that's the pattern, and that's been set out. Again, with the law of Moses, that's the key to both. The first Pentecost was the Jews and maybe some God-fearers that I spoke about, but they were at the temple. There's so many things that you begin to see that it just goes back to the very commandments. And like I said, here we go. This is where it was. Therefore, if Elohim gave them the same gift as He has given us, after we have come to put our f- trust, our faith in the Master Yeshua, <laughs> how can we stand in His way? Now I bring that up because that actually is an interesting statement, because Peter's saying, "How can I stand in Elohim's way?" Someone else mentioned that as well. When Peter was put in jail in the beginning of Acts, um, Acts 5, 38, 39 specifically, he was put in jail and then he was released back out and they all gathered and it's like, oh, we got to tell these, we got to do something. We got to maybe kill these guys because they're spreading this news. But someone rose up and it happened to be a Pharisee rose up and uh, Gamaliel. He said to the council that was against Peter, Peter, because of this prison, I'll read it to you real quick. So in the present case, my advice to you is not to interfere with these people. Meaning, those who are following Messiah, this Peter character who just got released out of jail. Don't interfere with these people, but to leave them alone. For if this idea or this movement has a man origin in it, it will collapse. This is wisdom coming from a Pharisee. But if it is from Elohim, if it is truly from God, you're not going to be able to stop them. You might even find yourself fighting against Elohim himself. That's pretty heavy. And why I'm relating that, in some sense, that's where I would suggest another level to Peter's vision is Peter is being disciplined and saying, you're kind of working against me, son. Okay? I've never made the goyim unclean. It's been the good news for all humanity. So, ultimately, we always have to be on guard about our traditions and our doctrines because they may be just doing that in the way of our God, or fighting against our Elohim. So my point in saying this to you may be, I don't know what my point is. That may be the whole point of putting saying this that was coming to me in my thoughts, is that there is a lot going on in our Bibles and we got to be due diligent to figure these things out so we understand it correctly. We have a hand up. Over there, uh, Paul, Brother Paul. And after Paul's comment, and then we'll continue. Yeah,
2: you're causing me to think about when we use the term Christians, as we say, the Jews, that in that, in Christianity, there are the Baptists, there's the Presbyterians, there's the Pentecostals, and then there's different sects and denominations all under that banner, and that they all have different traditions and they will disagree to certain things. So one of the clues here is in uh, uh, verse 2 in chapter 11. It says in this translation, and when Keppah went up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision were contending with him, so right there, and it says in some translations, those that were circumcised, well, they were all circumcised, but it specifically is referring to a particular group of belief. And I know in the first century there was the Shammai and then there was the Hillel, the two different schools of thought, and they agreed with each other on, pri- on a lot of the primary doctrines but they had differences in what they believed, you know, from the Hillel and the Shammai and the different schools of thought. It's the same way today with the sects of Christianity. You had the variations and traditions in Judaism. So if we can wrap our head around the mindset of that there's different schools of thought that existed then the same way it does now, and while they might be agreeable on 75 percent of things they will practice certain things different whether it's the laying on a hands or not laying on a hands uh, washing or not washing and so on and so this is the terrain that Peter is dealing with and this is the time and place that he is dealing with is that they didn't all agree on all the traditional points
1: no exactly thank you Paul and and i think in some ways that makes us uniquely the same as the followers of messiah because of that we you know but the one thing um maybe i should mention this in some of my research like paul was talking about these different sects at a time sometimes you had people got violent and within those sects against those particular beliefs you know so it it is a it is crazy, but but at the same time, I think we're right where we need to be. It's all, you know, yeah, we got a lot that we're going to weigh through in our walk. I know with me personally, things have fallen aside. I'm re looking at the things. It's like, hmm, should this be something I'd be doing? You know? We have to analyze that. But we have to do it in the right manner as well as we go through our walk with the Messiah. But that's this is where, to me, some of the key things it is about the Torah, it is about the Messiah, the one like Moses, it's quite clear. So let's not get confused because I, I will use myself as an example. Growing up in Christianity, there was Christians and there was Jews and they for the most part, all Jews did the same thing. And then you start finding out that that is not the case. So anyhow, so that was just some of my thoughts that I'd like to share with you. Um, But I think they're valuable as we go along, and they'll come more out as we go in various things. So let's continue then Acts 11. Then indeed, they who were scattered because of the pressure that arose over Stephen, who passed through uh, passed through uh Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, speaking the word to no one except the Eudim, the Jews only. I put the am" there because I think actually it's better, and I've shared that before, and some of them were men from Cyprus and uh Uh, Cyrene, who, um, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, bringing the good news, the master Yeshua. And the hand of the master was with them, and a great number, having believed, turned to the master. Now, again, this part, understanding what's actually going on. Like I said, the good news went to the Jewish communities first. So what we're reading here is, all right, look at 19, the end of 19 is quite clear. This message went to only the Jews first. We have the good news then expanding beyond the promised land because of, this is interesting and we can talk about this too, because of persecution and that began back in chapter 8 with the death of Stephen. Then, because right after that, right after that was this. That's where Paul entered the, the whole picture. And Shaul was given approval to his death, meaning Stephen. And on that day, there was a great persecution against the assembly, which was in Jerusalem. And they were scattered throughout the countries of Judah, Samaria, except the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. So this is going still on in the background. So, what we have then, then with Stephen's death, I spoke with Paul about this. uh, It's interesting. His death has set in motion the spread of the good news of the Messiah. Because because of that, then all of a sudden, persecution, From within Judaism against this particular sect started going on, and they all scattered except for the apostles stayed in Jerusalem. The rest of them scattered to other parts. And that's all, that's over the death of Stephen. The good news that has come. Ultimately, let's define the good news. What is it? Yes, the death and resurrection of Messiah, but along with that, that's only part of the good news. The good news is that has has come, and you'll see that in the beginning of all the Gospels, the kingdom of Elohim is at hand, and through repentance and obedience, one can enter, and that's for all. The one like Moses has arrived. Repentance unto life can be attained. Ultimately, as we're seeing right here, not just for the Jew, but for the nations of as well. This good news is spreading to the Jewish communities right now. That's where we're at in Acts. Right here in eleven. It's clearly stating this, these are Jewish communities. That word Hellenist there, it's the Greek speaking Jew. It's not your general run of the mill Roman Greek person. And the key part here, because they scattered out various and there was still other communities that were in place that never did not know maybe all what went on in Jerusalem. but the key thing that I think is here is the is this death of Stephen, and then all of a sudden all this good news is spreading like wildfire in the midst of tribulation. Wow. This persecution is, again, from within the community of the Jewish population. Not an outside force at this time, as of yet. Okay? It is, ultimately, then, over this prophet from Nazareth. And a reminder that he didn't uphold some of the traditions of the elders. That's what got him in trouble. That's why, and many, many other things. One of the key things, he didn't fit the image that they had made for themselves of what that Messiah was to be. And I'm saying this because this is key things that we need to keep in mind and not fall in the same trap of having our theologies all together and how it's going to happen and what Yeshua is going to look like when he returns. I think, anyhow. But this seems to fit a pattern here that we find in scriptures. And I'm going to call my brother Mark. I'm going to put him on the spot because I know he'll be able to answer this right off the top of his head. Because this pattern of tribulation, Elohim uses it to change the hearts of men. And Mark, you said plenty of time, what are the one of I think it was three things that you've seen and you mentioned that really he uses to move his people?
0: well he when he wants to move his people from one place to another, he causes it to be very uncomfortable where they're at mm-hmm. and very appealing where he wants them to go. he turns the heat up on them where they're at, where he doesn't want them to stay, and makes the way like a lays the rose petals uh for the path of the direction he wants them to go, yeah, so in that we have. Thank you, Mark.
1: Normally what happens is there's a war. Sometimes there's a famine. And I think there was one other. And plague. These are some of the key. And I'm grouping them together. That's a tribulation one way or the other, wouldn't you say? So as he moves his people, could he not move his message through the same mechanism of using tribulation. And what we'll find is, real quickly here in Acts, there's gonna be a famine in Jerusalem, if you've read ahead. But right now we have this persecution coming from within, and the message is spreading and it's spreading and it's spreading. And it to me it fits the context of when you read the scriptures, when the, you know, they were in Egypt, comfortable, plague, plague, little tribulation upon the people, and then oh, boom what went out his people came out and they gathered a message from the mountain to take on for to be the light for the whole world for us yes Kurt.
2: one of the things that I was wondering about when I was in Israel was the the, um, the place called bet which was a a massive um dwelling beautiful architecture still standing still architecture that I was told was destroyed by a uh, earthquake. And I was wondering what would cause such an earthquake to where people wouldn't want to move back in and fix what was there. Cause there was a ton of structure still there mm-hmm. rather that they flee the entire area and, and give up on that spot where they had put so much invested so much time and effort to build the infrastructure. And then Yahuwah sends a, an earthquake so great that they're
1: like, yeah, we're not going back there. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bad, bad location, right? (laughs) But I think it's uh, this idea that we see, and I'm just trying to point out this pressure and this persecution that's going on. You'll see it in the Hebrew scriptures um, a lot of times. And ultimately, is that not a future thing that we should expect? Pretty much, it's quite clear that, and if in Revelation and, and what have you. So in these places there were several Jewish communities in these places. So that's where it was going. Antioch was was, was named after Antioch uh, Epiphanes. Okay, uh, and it too was a. A very large Jewish community that was there that was uh, there for centuries, Antioch and Jerusalem, actually, some of my reading have come they were like two cities where people would go back and forth a lot, so this is where the message is going again to Jewish communities to the other synagogues that are out there, so Jewish believers of the Messiah from Jerusalem. Took the message only in the beginning for the all right, only to those who were Jews living in these foreign nations that were outside of Jerusalem. Again, I mentioned that this Hellenist here is Greek speaking Jews or Jews that, in a lot of ways, started taking on the Greek lifestyle and mindset. And we're in the midst of Hanukkah. The story of Hanukkah is really embedded about that whole thing as combating that idea versus uh, you know the mindset of the Hebrew of or the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So maybe this is a good place then to address again that so far here in Acts, this uh, there is um, there's Jews and God fears, okay. Present in, present in the Acts narrative. There is no Gentile here from the nations. And that is where what I'm talking about as far as the Jews, those who Judaism or practice that faith in the God of Israel. Now, I'm saying no Gentiles present. That's not correct because he goes, well, we just read about Cornelius. Yes, but Cornelius was a Roman. He was a gentile. but to me, that's a gray area because he had a faith in the God of Israel already. He wasn't completely worshiping Zeus and all of a sudden decides he found the God of Israel because of this message and changed everything. Cornelius already was a believer in the God of Israel. That, that I don't know. And again, history isn't, is, knowing some of this in the background, that doesn't make, it's not black and white as far as how things happen here. Okay? Because what I'm, why I mention that, we have maybe been given the impression from the beginning of Acts that, that this new church was formed and all these Gentiles come from foreign places, the war their foreign worship practice, and just dropped it. Came to the knowledge of Jesus, and that is so far from the truth. That is not what historical context of what was happened. So far, that that is not the case here. I'm not saying later on we're, we won't see that, but right now we're in Acts 11, and the only Gentile that's been mentioned, again, was a fear of, God, of the God of Israel. So I would say he wasn't a true Gentile because he, <laughs> in, in that aspect, right? So this good news was from a Jew to a Jew, right? The Jews first, and then the spread outside to these Jewish communities, that's why I think this event with Cornelius is so interesting to me, looking at it in that aspect. So, so the, the salvation message came to him, Cornelius, and it was clearly said that. The salvation message came to Cornelius, and I believe one big reason, because he obeyed the law of Moses. And Elohim wanted to let him know that there is salvation for you too. Even though the culture you're living in, it seems it's only for the Jews. No, I've always had this message for the whole world, for anyone who would want to turn, be obedient and trust in my commandments unto life. That's why I'm mentioning that part of it. that Because, I don't know, maybe it was just me, but don't you kind of think we get a different impression on what happened in Acts now? Completely different. And it doesn't fit the typical theology of the church. I understand that. But in my research, that's exactly, in some sense, how things happen. This message is first to those who have faith in Elohim and then later to those who have no faith in the God of Israel. The message is the same regardless. The message is this very same message. Repent, turn back to his ways. We talked about the Pentecost number two. Yeah, I think this is duplicate on my notes. So if there is no other comment here, we'll continue on to, maybe we'll just kind of read here. And the word of it came to the ears of the assembly in Jerusalem, and they sent out uh, Barnabas to go as far as, as Antioch, who having come and seeing the favor of Elohim was glad and encouraged them all with the purpose of heart to cleave to the master. So it sounds like Barnabas came to Antioch, and it seems like they already kind of knew about this Messiah and this good news, and he came and encouraged them in their walk. Who, having come and seeing the favor of Elohim, he was glad, encouraged them. Because he was a good man and filled with the set-apart spirit and with belief or trust, meaning he did the very commandments. And a large number were added to the master, meaning Yeshua, the Messiah, and that thought process. So let me finish. I'll read this, and we will come back to this section next week. Because um, I got some notes, and I don't want to like half get halfway through with, due to time, so... Then Barnabas went to uh, uh, Tarshish to seek who, Shaul. and having found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to and it came to be that for an entire year they came together in the assembly and taught large numbers, and the taught ones were called Messian. <laughs> What's it? That's a very good, uh, Mark makes a very point, a uh, good point. So Barnabas, he goes, gets Shaul from, from his hometown, brings him back down to Antioch, and they sat and they were teaching the assembly. And Mark said it. it like, what do you think they were teaching, new doctrine? Or were they teaching the very Hebrew scriptures and the foundations? That uh, no New Testament at this time. So they only had one scriptures to go back. So so let me uh, close in prayer there, and then we'll come back to the section next week. And that's going to be my question. What did they teach? So you guys should be able to get that. We'll have some fun. Father, how yeah, well, great and mighty you are, there is none like you. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness to your words. We thank you for... Oh, the grace and mercy that you have shed upon us so we can become more and more like your son, like your Messiah, in your commandments and work them in our lives. Thank you for that empowerment of your spirit to do that. We thank you again for your love and your mercy. Amen. Shabbat shalom, everyone. Shabbat shalom to all of you out there.